0: Welcome to the Growth Kung Fu podcast, a podcast in which we share the best growth stories and insights from Asian startups for Asian startups. I'm Wai Hoi. And I'm Tanuj. Thanks for listening to us today. If you like what we do, please don't hesitate to subscribe on GrowthKungFu.com. Today, we are joined by Kyle Ellicott, the founder and chief labs officer of Labs, a media and ventures company dedicated to creating the social fabric for businesses around wearables and the Internet of Things ecosystem. ReadWrite Labs has its headquarters in San Francisco, Shenzhen, and Hong Kong. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Kyle, what what is ReadWrite Labs exactly?
1: Yeah, so ReadWrite Labs, uh, it is the first and still largest accelerator built around the Internet of Things industry. And by first, I mean, we started this right after, right on the day that Google Glass announced there's a whole another story to that, which I'm happy to tell offline. But uh, after that, we started working with more and more companies around the world, helping them understand the business of IoT and wearables. And uh, so now, today, we still hold that title of the first and largest, and are an accelerator to help companies get from point A to point B, understand how to go from one market, such as China, to the U.S. and vice versa. So from the U.S into China and how to raise funding, how to do crowdfunding, um, along with grow and scale your business.
2: So uh, you're in the mothership of all things tech with Silicon Valley. Uh, what brought you out to Shenzhen and Hong Kong? And what's the big opportunity that you see there?
1: Yeah, so we came out to Asia first to Hong Kong. And and what's funny is we've actually been looking at Asia for, for quite some time. and And part of the reason is, if you build a company in hardware, and even more specifically in IoT or wearables, it's where you have to go to do business. Maybe not just for manufacturing, but also for some of the components for supply chain, for partners, for fundraising. It's a very diverse place. So many of our companies and so many of the companies within the community were going. And so it just made sense for us to also be there and to be a trusted and reliable source for companies that we work with, and then also the community in IoT. And we picked Hong Kong to begin with because it's the most centrally located. It truly is the gateway to Asia. When you look at it on a map, it's the most centrally located. It's everywhere you need to be. It's a quick hop from a lot of the great cities around the region. And the next step was Shenzhen. We just we couldn't not be there with so many companies again having to build and manufacture in Shenzhen. We wanted to have a presence there. We wanted to have a presence so that when startups come and land in China for the first time and have to work with a manufacturer, have to build their first product that they know who to work with, they know who to trust, and they know who can get the job done for them versus having to maybe spend three weeks in a foreign land that they're just not sure if what they're getting. Is correct, and you know we've heard some of those horror stories. So we put ourselves in the middle of it to make sure that they were true and find solutions to that. So today, why we're based in both those areas, and at the same time, I mean, guys, you're both spending time in Hong Kong. It's an amazing place. It's an amazing place to do business. It's a phenomenal ecosystem. Just sitting there watching it grow reminds me of the early days of Los Angeles when I was an entrepreneur there. And seeing how that ecosystem just took off in its own and created its own identity, its own kind of place on the list, if you will, we just couldn't turn it down. And so we see we're very, very long Hong Kong, if you will. And we see great potential of that city for a very long time. And then Shenzhen, of course, has become a an amazing place for startups in Asia. It's, you know, again, not just its manufacturing, but it's also a foot in the door when it comes to mainland China. Right. And it's an easy place to get started. So, Kyle, you, I think Hong Kong
0: and a lot of people in Hong Kong kind of struggle with where where the city is at today. But specifically from a technology perspective, Shenzhen is just around the corner. As you mentioned, it's the manufacturing capital of the world. You know, if you want to iterate and, and develop your first prototype products, it's happening there multiple months faster than anywhere else in the world. So. From an IoT startup perspective, what's the inherent advantage of of being based in Hong Kong vis-a-vis Shenzhen directly?
1: Hmm. So being being based in, in Hong Kong, part of the advantage on the IoT side is you have a city that's known for two very big things around technology. One, fintech. Two, smart cities. There are several smart city projects that are happening all around the city. And if anybody who's listening doesn't know about them, feel free to send me a, a message on Twitter and I'll tell you all. <laughs> or reach out very, very easily to Invest Hong Kong, who can give you tons of those insights. So when it comes to IoT, these projects are ongoing and they're not stopping. People are understanding, not just Hong Kong, but cities around the world, that their infrastructure needs to be more technically advanced. And what they're seeing is how IoT plays a role in that, how this new wave technically advanced infrastructure Will not just set the groundwork for the next 50 years, but really will help optimize a city. It'll help it run more efficiently, save costs, and help people get to where they need to go and provide new insights that they've never seen before. And with Shenzhen being so quickly or being so close, startups are able to jump over the border build what they need to quickly, and come back and test it in a very real, live environment, which doesn't happen in very many locations around the world. Um, you know, We're very fortunate to have something like that happen here in San Francisco to a small, small scale, but not nearly the scale that Shenzhen has with the electronics markets, and then Hong Kong has on the other side as a testing bed as well.
2: So Kyle, in what verticals do you see the most potential for growth in the IoT space?
1: So what's really exciting is that we are in the process of reviewing applications right now for our next uh, cohort here in San Francisco, and also for our next ones in Hong Kong and Shenzhen. So couldn't be a better time to ask this type of question, because we get to see the insight of what's coming in. The next big vertical is based on data. Okay, And then I'll tell you what's getting me excited. On data is around transportation and automotive. It's one of the fastest growing markets. It's got some of the most money from venture going into it, which is super exciting. I mean, think about this. We have had vehicles act and work the exact same way for a very long time. And now we're getting to a point where traveling less, we are carpooling. You know, something that was a concept years ago, you used to do on the way to work. And now today, it's it's common practice with things like DD and Uber. That's all beginning to change, the way that we look at our vehicles. You know, there's still the desire to have some raw power. You know, nothing's going to turn down a brand new Ferrari that you can see, uh, you know, kind of going through the streets. But at the same time, the efficiency of just having an electric vehicle, getting to point A to point B, that's all you need to do, doing it at a low cost and good for the environment. So so auto and transportation as a whole is definitely on the rise. And the other is energy, new energy, looking at advancements of how we can be more energy efficient as a society, all the way from governments to cities to corporations and to us as individuals. How do we use energy and how can we be better at it? Whether it's a battery, it's fuel cells, it's battery backups, energy storage, to understanding how much energy we use and waste on a day-to-day basis. But what gets me the most excited of all of this is truly smart cities. You package all of this up with a lot of other verticals and roll it to all smart cities. And the idea that cities are going to become this living, breathing organisms more so than they've ever been, I think is just fascinating. Where cars will talk to each other, you will know anything you need to know about a city on the reverse city engineers will know everything they need to know about people and how to build optimal cities for us to live in.
2: Wow, that's actually super interesting. Any, any advice that you might have for homegrown startups in Hong Kong that are getting into this space?
1: So let me give you a few pieces of advice. So one, just for companies in Hong Kong, first, first off advice, not in IoT or in IoT. My biggest piece of advice is get out and help each other. One of the things that I loved when every time I'm in Hong Kong, it absolutely fascinates me. As you walk into a co-working space like The Hive or WeWork, Paperclip, or even Meta, and you just see people buzzing. You see people communicating. Don't stop that. Push those boundaries. If you're getting just into this world of being an entrepreneur, go to as many events as you possibly can until you see the same people 10 different times. Just get out there and get a chance to work together, help each other. I remember the days when Los Angeles was still a very young ecosystem, uh, very similar to Hong Kong. And there were about 20 to 25 of us who really, really worked together to support, to help, to drive, and push each other forward. And that group still exists today. And some of them, some of us are very, very successful. Others have gone on to make multiple successes. But one way or another, everyone has continued to progress and grow the community. And so for those in Hong Kong, do the exact same thing. Get out. You're not the first to ever have the problem that you're having, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Talk to someone about it. Learn from them. You know, talk to guys like us and others in the community and just simply ask, hey, what do I do here? How do I get above this hurdle? Or how are you doing? How can I help? For those in IoT, of course, feel free to say hi to myself or Reg or any of our other team members. Always happy to welcome you into the Hong Kong IoT family. But at the same time, just as I mentioned of getting out, look towards the community. Look towards what is happening at co-working spaces. And look at the type of events that they're putting on. A lot of these events are free or five or ten dollars. Just go support the community. Ask questions, learn. If it's your first time and you want to learn everything you can online, shameless plug, readwrite.com is what we all cover. Uh, at the same time, look at Tech in Asia. Look at E27. Look at these websites online to get your first foot into the door. When you get back on the ground, look at the Jumpstart magazine that's circulated every couple of weeks, or excuse me, a couple of months on the ground. You can find it at any core space. Look at Startups Hong Kong just to understand the ecosystem. But for IoT specifically, go to some of the IoT events. Look at Cyberport. Look at Invest Hong Kong. Look at these resources that you have locally to support you. And anywhere else in Southeast Asia region, every single country right now, just about, has some type of IoT initiative. All of the governments around are pushing these things. With a simple search online or a quick note, Through the community you can easily find where these projects are going and if not ask the three of us or ask my co-founder and we'll happily point you guys in the right direction
0: those are some great tips kyle but at the same time and and not to belabor the point uh, of of hardware is hard that same old cliche but at the same time like you know when we were researching you a little bit and we looked back a couple years ago and we one of the things we found on youtube was an interview with you in 2013 where literally the biggest things in hardware that you were talking about were the Google Glass and the Pebble Watch. You mentioned those earlier as well. Glass has obviously been parked away, and Pebble has just been bought by Fitbit. All of this just to say, there's obviously a ton of risk involved with being in a hardware startup. So, how would you advise a new startup founder to deal with that?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, let's not let's not glamorize entrepreneurship too much. It, it's always hard starting a business. You know, taking a hobby or an idea or a project and turning it into a company that generates revenue is not an easy path. It is hard. It will be one of the most difficult things you ever do in your life. At the same time, it'll be the riskiest and it will be the most rewarding, regardless of its turnout. And you have to know that going into this business. Um, On the IoT side and hardware side, you're absolutely right. Hardware is hard. If anyone tells you differently, they're lying to you. Um, and feel free to call them out on Twitter. Uh, but uh,
0: I'll tell them call sent me send us.
1: <laughs> yes, see me on the, you can see, see me on the tweet and I will happily favorite it and also comment. But it, it's, it is very hard. It's very difficult because with software, you know, uh, coming from my technology background, with software, it's it's code. You're, you're putting code together, putting design on top, and it can work. With hardware, you have to put components together physically, and not just once, but multiple times over. And you have to put code on top of that, multiple layers of code, plus a design, multiple layers of design, and then hope that you didn't spend too much money and you can still make a profit off of it. And where it gets difficult is... Marrying all of that together. You know, when you create a piece of software, let's boil down to nuts and bolts. Software code is free. It's us pressing keys on hardware. You have to pay for components. Components get cheaper at scale. They don't always start off cheap. So your initial prototypes can cost a lot of money. That's okay. If you are truly invested, you accept the risks, understanding the potential reward put a little bit of money in to make a real prototype. And once you get one done, find the components that you need that you can make it a little less expensive to make a couple more. So that when you go out to talk to press, talk to partners, talk to investors, you can show these things off and not just have one and one and only demo. And you know, with the companies that you mentioned, the glass and pebble, it is hard because there's a new element when it comes to these types of products, and that's us as consumers. We have a very big opinion as to what we want and what we don't want physically held in our hands. And so with something like Google Glass, part of the reason that didn't work at the time and why it's you're starting to see a little bit of these companies come back now is at the time, it was an entire culture shock. Nobody was fully ready for that. As tech guys like us, absolutely. That's so cool. Let's put a camera on our face. Let's do all kinds of stuff. Awesome. But for the general public, there was just a psychological thing that did not click. Hmm. And we've seen it with all the technologies that we have in our life, from you know the wearables that we have on our wrist to the cell phones that we have. All of these different pieces of technology have a hurdle to get through. And with poor glass, that was one of the biggest. You know, you've got a camera that faces you, someone else directly, and you don't know if they're recording, if they're not recording. You know, are they taking a picture? What's happening? You don't know what's going on. And unless you have a pair, that was hard to understand. Now, the other reason Glass had a little bit of an issue is they went a very exclusive route. Fifteen hundred dollars. You had to be in the U.S. You had like four or five places you could. You had to go to pick it up it's very difficult to get to where pebble had their mistake which i guarantee you're going to hear more about at the time is just the economies of scale you know supply versus demand the idea of the wristwatch it's a big question right now of do people want to wear watches do they not what was being delivered was it valuable or was it not and apple seeing you know some of their largest growth but is that because they're delivering value or because it's a trendy product? And what happens in the near future with the version two versus version one? So to wrap it all up, as I'm rambling on here, hardware is hard, but understand your costs, understand what you're getting into. And I can tell you the risk is, the reward is definitely worth the risk. And the very last point is focus on the platform you're building on top of the hardware. Get it so to a point where the hardware is not literally what's the value, it's the software. It's the data that you're generating that gives something back. So actionable insights give something back to the user at the end of the day. That's what's going to have people coming back to you time and time again.
2: Excellent, Kai. Uh, just piggybacking off that last question, now let's say you had an amazing IoT product idea and mm-hmm. you're going to go pitch yourself today to an incubator. How would you approach it?
1: Yeah, so shameless plug. You know, you reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, uh, one be prepared. Have a website, and even if it's just a page that says "coming soon" with your logo, have something. It's eight dollars for a month on Squarespace. It's you know a whole twelve dollars a year to have a domain. Make sure you look legitimate. At the same time, put together a pitch deck the best you can. You know, we understand myself and others who are in this industry that not everyone's perfect at creating a pitch deck. And that's what you're coming here in part four is to learn how to build those types of things, to learn how to pitch, to learn how to raise and to learn how to grow and scale your company. So come in with a website, come in with a presentation and be ready for due diligence. If you've got financial projections, you have partner relationships. So a large corporation has invested in you or is doing a partnership or has a PO make sure you have copies of those things you know we're going to want to see that stuff and we want to make sure that what you're telling us is valid and at the same time you know show that you care and show that you're excited to take advantage of the resources about to be given to you and lastly ask questions you want to understand what you're getting into you need to understand that this is a commitment on both sides not just the accelerator incubators but also yours. You have to commit your time and your resources just as much as they do. And so when you get into that interview, when you get past an application, ask as many questions as you want. That's what we're all here for. Ask us questions for days and it won't be a problem. That way you can get all of the things you need cleared up and be able to join the program stress-free and excited and ready to dive in versus having questions last minutes, giving yourself like second thoughts. Uh, So where can our listeners find you online? So you can find our program at readwritelabs.com. You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Ellicott. That's E-L-L-I-C-O-T-T. And then, of course, LinkedIn and and Facebook as well.
2: Okay, great. So you can find more from us at growthkungfu.com. Thank you all for listening and speak to you soon.